0: on a bright path here in the Blue Ridge Mountains in the star city of Roanoke, Virginia. This is Jamie Lee, and we're talking James Francis Thorpe, an American athlete, gold medalist, and considered one of the most versatile athletes of modern sports. It's been 70 years since his passing, but what a story he gave us. He was so loved that the state of Pennsylvania named a city after him. His friends called him Jim or Bright Path. His parents were both of mixed-race ancestry. His father was Irish and his mother was Indian. Thorpe attended the Sock and Fox Indian Agency School in Stroud, Oklahoma with his twin brother, Charlie. Charlie helped him through school and until he died of pneumonia when they were nine years old. Thorpe ran away from school several times. His father sent him to the Haskell Institute, an Indian boarding school in Lawrence, Kansas, so that he would not run away again. When Thorpe's mother died of childbirth complications two years later, the youth became depressed. After several arguments with his father, he left home to work on a horse ranch. In 1904, the 16-year-old Thorpe returned to his father and and decided to attend Carlisle Indian Industrial School in Carlisle, Pennsylvania. There, his athletic ability was recognized and he was coached by Pop Warner, one of the most influential coaches of early American football history. Later that year, the youth was orphaned after his father, Hiram Thorpe, died from gangrene poisoning after being wounded in a hunting accident. The young Thorpe again dropped out of school. He resumed farm work for a few years before returning to Carlisle School. Thorpe began his athletic career at Carlisle in 1907 when he walked past the track and, still in street clothes, beat all the school's high jumpers with an impromptu 5-foot-9-inch jump. He also competed in ballroom dancing, winning the 1912 Intercollegiate Ballroom Dancing Championship. Pop Warner was hesitant to allow Thorpe, his best track and field athlete, to compete in such a physical game as football. Thorpe, however, convinced Warner to let him try some rushing plays and practice against the school team's defense. Warner assumed he would be tackled easily and give up the idea. Thorpe ran around, past, and through them, not once, but twice. He walked over to Warner and said, nobody is going to tackle Jim while flipping him the ball. Thorpe first gained nationwide notice in 1911 for his athletic ability. As a running back, defensive back, place kicker, and punter, Thorpe scored all of his team's four field goals in an 18-15 upset of Harvard a top-ranked team in the early days of the NCAA. Jim Thorpe never practiced a day in his life. He could do anything better than any other football player I ever saw, said President Dwight Eisenhower. Thorpe was awarded a first-team All-American spot in 1911 and 1912. Football was and remained Thorpe's favorite sport. For the 1912 Summer Olympics in Stockholm, Sweden, two new multi-event disciplines were included, the pentathlon and the decathlon. A pentathlon based on the ancient Greek event had been introduced in 1906 games. The 1912 version consisted of the long jump, javelin throw, 200-meter dash, discus throw, and the 1,500-meter run. Jim Thorpe could run the 100-yard dash in 10 seconds flat. He could run the 220 in 21.8 seconds, the 440 in 51.8 seconds, the 880 in 1 minute 57 seconds, the mile in 4 minutes 35 seconds, the 120-yard high hurdles in 15 seconds, and the 220-yard low hurdles in 24 seconds. He could long jump 23 feet 6 inches and high jump 6 feet 5 inches. He could pole vault 11 feet, throw the javelin 163 feet, and throw the discus 136 feet. And he could putt shot 47 feet 9 inches. Thorpe was extremely busy in the Olympics. Along with the decathlon and the pentathlon, he competed in the long jump and high jump. The first competition was the pentathlon. He won four of the five events and placed third in the javelin, an event he had not even competed in before 1912. Although the pentathlon was primarily decided on place points, points were also earned for the marks achieved in the individual events. Thorpe won the gold medal. Thorpe's final event was the decathlon, his first, as it turned out, his only, decathlon. He placed in the top four in all ten events, and his Olympic record of 8,413 points stood for nearly two decades. Even more remarkably, because someone had stolen his shoes just before he was due to compete, He found a mismatched pair of replacements, including one from a trash can and won the gold medal wearing them. In late January 1913, the Worcester-Telegram reported that Thorpe had played professional baseball before the Olympics, and other U.S. newspapers followed up the story. Thorpe had played professional baseball in the Eastern Carolina League in Rocky Mount, North Carolina in 1909 and 1910, receiving meager pay reportedly as little as $2 per game and as much as $35 per week. College players, in fact, regularly spent summers playing professionally in order to earn some money, but most use alias names, unlike Thorpe. Although the public did not seem to care about much about Thorpe's past, the Amateur Athletic Union did, or the AAU, and especially its secretary, James Edward Sullivan, he took the case very seriously. Later that year, the International Olympic Committee, or the IOC, unanimously decided to strip Thorpe of his Olympic titles, medals, and awards and declare him as a professional. The only positive aspect of this affair for Thorpe was that as soon as the news was reported that he had been declared a professional, he received offers from professional sports clubs. Because the minor league team that last held Jim Thorpe's contract had disbanded in 1910, the athlete had the unusual status as a sought-after free agent at the major league level during the era of the reserve clause. He could choose the baseball team for which to play. He turned down a starting position with the St. Louis Browns, then at the bottom of the American League. He chose to join the 1912 National League champion New York Giants. He played sporadically with them as an outfielder for three seasons. He amassed 91 runs scored, 82 runs batted in, and a 252 batting average over 289 games. He continued to play minor league baseball until 1922 and once played for the minor league Toledo Mudhens. Thorpe had not abandoned football. He signed with the Canton, Ohio Bulldogs in 1915. They paid him $250 a game, a tremendous wage at the time. Before signing him, Canton was averaging 1,200 fans a game, but 8,000 showed up for Thorpe's debut against the Maslin Tigers. The team won titles in 1916, 1917 and 1919. Thorpe reportedly ended the 1919 championship game by kicking a wind assisted 95 yard punt from his team's own five yard line, effectively putting the game out of reach. In 1920, the Bulldogs were one of 14 teams to form the American Professional Football Association, which became the National Football League. Two years later. Thorpe never played for an NFL championship team. He retired from professional football at the age of 41. Thorpe married three times and had a total of eight children. After his athletic career, Thorpe struggled to provide for his family. He found it difficult to work a non-sports related job and never held a job for an extended period of time. During the Great Depression, he had various jobs, among others as an extra for several movies, usually playing an American Indian chief in westerns. In the 1932 comedy, Always Kicking, Thorpe was cast in a speaking part as himself, a kicking coach teaching young football players to drop kick. In 1931, during the Great Depression, he sold the film rights to his life story to MGM for $1,500. Thorpe portrayed an umpire in the 1940 film Newt Rockney, All-American. Apart from his career in films, he worked as a construction worker, a doorman, bouncer, a security guard, and a ditch digger. He briefly joined the United States Merchant Marines in 1945 during World War II. Thorpe was a chronic alcoholic during his later life. He ran out of money sometime in the early 1950s. and When hospitalized for lip cancer in 1950, Thorpe was admitted as a charity case. At a press conference announcing the procedure, His wife Patricia wept and pleaded for help, saying, We're broke. Jim has nothing but his name and his memories. He has spent money on his own people and has given it away. He has often been exploited. In early 1953, Thorpe went into heart failure for the third time while dining with Patricia in their home in California. He died on March 28, 1953, at the age of 65. Thorpe's monuments, featuring the quote, You, sir, are the greatest athlete in the world, still stands near the town named for him, Jim Thorpe, Pennsylvania. The grave rests on mounds of soil from Thorpe's native Oklahoma and from the stadium in which he won his Olympic medals. Thorpe's achievements received great acclaim from sports journalists, both during his lifetime and since his death. In 1999, the Associated Press placed him third on its list of the top athletes of the century, following Babe Ruth and Michael Jordan. Thorpe was inducted into the Pro Football Hall of Fame in 1963. In the Pro Football Hall of Fame rotunda, there is a larger than life statue of him. He was also inducted into halls of fame for college football, American Olympic teams, and the national track and field competition. In 1986, the Jim Thorpe Association established an award with Thorpe's name. The Jim Thorpe Award is given annually to the best defensive back in college football. The grits and glory days of James Francis Thorpe, one of our greatest athletes from the 20th century. This is Jamie. I hope you learned something new about today about Jim Thorpe. Every time I hear the tomahawk chop chant in the stadiums and ballparks around the nation today, it reminds me of this most talented athlete and gold medal winner,